All right. Well, what are you eagerly waiting for? For some of you, it's like this service to end because you ate too much food and you're ready to pass out. But what are you eagerly awaiting? You're eagerly waiting for tomorrow morning and some presents, perhaps, or some vacation time coming up in this season. Or maybe you're waiting eagerly for something else, something bigger, some job change that's coming or that you're desiring, a relationship or a fixing of a relationship, longing and waiting for children, for someone that you love to heal, for freedom from addiction, struggle. These are good things to be waiting for. But even when they come, isn't it often true that even when the thing that we're waiting for comes, we find ourselves immediately waiting for the next thing? Life is sort of like a constant waiting room, it seems. Waiting for this thing to come, and then as soon as it comes, we're waiting again for something else. The next thing to come. Well, the season of Advent that we've been looking at over the last few weeks is meant to help us learn how to wait and to eagerly wait for the most important thing, the thing that will right all wrongs, the thing that will bring about the restoration of all things, the coming of Jesus. By remembering the circumstances of His first coming and eagerly awaiting His second coming. So we've been looking at Luke's narrative of of, uh, the birth of Jesus and the story of Christmas as a light coming into the world. Or as the Apostle John says in John's Gospel, the beginning of John's Gospel, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This, today on Christmas Eve, we want to look at this story of the light coming into the world from the perspective of of Luke's Gospel, looking at the words of a dying prophet. We've been looking at this from the, uh, the standpoint of uh, these songs that accompany the narrative portions of Luke's Gospel. And today, we're going to look at these words of a dying prophet who eagerly awaited this very thing that John was talking about. This very thing that John was talking about, about the Word coming and becoming flesh and living among us, this thing that this prophet waited for constantly. 
We're going to see his words uh, as he eagerly waited for the coming Savior so that we can learn how to eagerly wait for this Savior's return. All right, so in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35, this follows exactly what we read in our Advent reading, the narrative portion that we read in our Advent reading. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Eagerly waiting for the Messiah. This prophet has spent his life looking at God's Word, hearing God's promises, and waiting for the promised One to come. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And so he was waiting for the Messiah to come. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit reveals to him he is holding the Messiah. He is holding the Messiah. And he says, Lord, thank you. Let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation. He's been eagerly awaiting the Messiah, and now he says, I have seen your salvation. And so this morning, I just want us to do as we said in our Advent reading to start. Come and gather around and hear the old, old story of a child born to die to save us from our sins. I have seen your salvation. So we're just going to look at what is this salvation? Who is it for? When will it happen? How will it happen? And why will it happen? Just these few things this morning briefly. So what is this salvation that he is seeing? What is the salvation that has been promised? Well, John, we read earlier from John's Gospel, John says that all who believed in him can become children of God. God is going to do something in Jesus coming to earth. In Jesus, God is going to do something to crush our biggest enemies, sin, Satan, and death. The thing that He has promised to do, the whole story of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation is about God doing this one thing for His people. Saving them from their biggest enemies of sin, Satan, and death. He's going to forgive sin. Salvation includes this forgiveness of sin. He is going to grant to us righteousness. He's going to grant to us the very righteousness of God. His perfection granted to us so that we can stand before God. And ultimately, 
He's going to do all of that to bring us home as children of God. Salvation, ultimately, is about bringing us near to God. It's what it's about. And so as Simeon is holding the Messiah, he is saying, I have seen your salvation. And as Simeon is holding the Messiah, he is saying that this Messiah, this little baby, is one day going to accomplish salvation so that God will bring us near and hold us just as I'm holding this baby now. That God will bring us near. That we can be children of God. Have access to the Father. And come near to Him. I think so often we hear the Gospel, we hear the story of salvation, we hear these things, and yet we fail to be in awe that the God of the universe has come down and taken on flesh to accomplish these things on our behalf. I was reminded this week being on vacation with my family how quickly I can get frustrated with my children. It happens quickly. And yet, the reality is I am far more disobedient and frustrating to God. And yet He brings me near. He, with a very costly love, brings me near and cradles me in His arms so that I can be a child of God. And that is true for all who are trusting in Jesus and Him alone for salvation. That's what salvation is. So often we think of salvation as the forgiveness of sins, which certainly it is. Absolutely. And yet it's for a reason. It's to bring us near to God. It's so that we get access to God. And so, as we think about eagerly waiting for salvation, as Simeon was eagerly waiting for the Messiah, we need to think about salvation being us coming home as children of God and eagerly wait for that. Well, who is this salvation for? Well, he says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. For all people. Now, if you're tracking along with the biblical story from Genesis all the way through, this is a really big deal. This is the thing that was promised to Abraham, that he would be the father of every nation, father of all nations, right? That God would do something to bless all the families of the earth. That God was going to bring people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation close to him. And yet, God has been working through the people of Israel. He's been working through this specific group of people throughout this time. And so, there is great conflict that comes in the early church as Jew and Gentile come together as one people of God. Jew and Gentile coming together, not separately. Every New Testament book, every letter post this, uh, these gospel truths and narratives that come deals with this conflict, Jew and Gentile coming together. It's a very big deal. And as we know, living in the world that we live in with racial and ethnic strife, it continues to be a very big deal. It was a very big deal in the early church and it's a very big deal today. The multi-ethnic mission of God is right here in the Christmas story. Simeon says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all 
people. The Sunday school answer of every answer being Jesus is correct, right, in some ways. But quickly after that is that Jesus is for all people. It's all over the Scriptures. He says, as you have promised. You see, God has promised all the way throughout that He is doing a global thing. He is bringing in all people. The light that Jesus offers the world eradicates the darkness of ethnocentrism, racism, and hatred in the world. We cannot celebrate the coming of Jesus in Christmas and hold on to racial and ethnic hate because the coming of Jesus offers a salvation that destroys that very thing. So, if the what of salvation is that we are coming home as children of God, then the who of salvation that it's offered for all people should cause us to examine our hearts and teach us to be mindful of the way that we treat other people and to repent if we find racial and ethnic hate in our hearts. If God offers salvation to someone, we must offer them that same costly love. How can we offer anything less? If God has welcomed someone to have the opportunity to become a child of God, how can we deny them opportunity to come and fellowship with us? So if the Christmas season teaches us anything, it certainly teaches us the salvation that Jesus offers us and teaches us to, to really search our hearts and repent of the ways that we are not loving all people especially our enemies, especially those who we disagree with, especially those who we, in the world's eyes, are supposed to hate. We are to offer light in a world of darkness and hate. In a world of division, we are to offer the unity of the Gospel. This all people is not like with some caveat that it's all good churchy people. Right? Like all people throughout the world for sure, but just the good ones. No, this coming of Jesus is for all people, meaning sinners, those running from God, those with doubts and questions, those who are making choices that church people would disapprove of, those with addictions and struggling. All people means all people. Everyone and anyone who will repent and turn to Jesus. All people. This mission that we talk about every Sunday here at church of seeking to be a diverse people is because this is the very thing that God promised in the coming of the Messiah. We cannot separate those things. It's simply the mission of God for the world. Now, when is this salvation going to happen? Well, Simeon is experiencing it in this moment He's experiencing holding the baby Jesus and knowing that salvation has now come. When we talk about the first coming of Jesus, we talk about His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension. All of those together are combined into this first coming of Jesus. And it ushers in this new era. The new age has broken in. And the old age is dying. Meaning... Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. There's coming a time in which Jesus will return 
And He will bring about the restoration of all things, which includes the judgment of God on sin. We walked through the book of Revelation, right? As a church. And there is judgment coming on sin and salvation and restoration and hope coming on those who are trusting in Jesus. But today is the day of salvation because Jesus has come. Today is the day that we can come to Jesus. So if you are here this morning and you are celebrating with us, you are coming with us to this place to experience what God is doing and there is any inclination in your heart to want to be a child of God, to want to come near to God, to want to know Him, please just cry out to Him. I'm not saying that that is going to solve every one of your problems or answer all of your questions. It won't, actually. But it will start a journey in which the One who made you, who loves you, will call you to Himself and bring you along with Him. So cry out for mercy because today is the day of salvation. And if you have questions, please, this community is one in which clearly we are okay with a lot of chaos and questions. I mean, if you've been here this morning, there's a lot of chaos everywhere and questions, right? Amen. Questions, doubts, concerns, all of those things. Jesus welcomes them. What does Simeon say here? He says, Sovereign Lord, let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a baby that he's holding. You don't think that that's going to cause some questions? Like, the Messiah has come. Look, he's this little baby. Jesus can handle your questions. I promise you. You can come with your doubts, your concerns, your hurts, your fears, all of those things. And Jesus will gently answer them in time. You may not get all the answers. Most of us don't get all the answers to all of our questions. And yet we can still trust because God is good and has done everything that He has promised in Jesus. So, when is the day of salvation. It's today. Who is this salvation for? It's for all people. What is this salvation? It's us becoming children of God. Now, how will this salvation happen? The end of this passage, Simeon addresses Jesus' parents. And both of his parents, Mary and Joseph, they are amazed at these things that are said about his, their child. And yet, it, 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 there's this moment here, right, too, which is, it just reveals the earthiness of Jesus. When it says that He took on flesh, it means He took on flesh. Mary. He took on Mary's flesh, right? He has Mary's DNA in Him. And she values Him just like any parent values a baby. He had real earthly parents who loved Him and cared for Him who he grew up before. He was really human. And we get a little glimpse of that here. They take all this to heart. And then Simeon says that he's going to cause many to, uh, to fall in Israel. Many will oppose him. The hearts, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul, he says to Mary. A sword will pierce your very soul. He's referring to the fact 
that this salvation is costly. This salvation, this amazing reality of us as being sinners welcomed to come to a holy God. God is not going to lessen His holiness to bring us close. He's going to have to do something with our sinfulness to bring us close. And that happens because Jesus suffers and dies on a cross. Right from the very beginning of the Christmas story, we get this hint of what is going to happen in the future. Mary's soul will be pierced by watching her son die on a cross. A brutal, horrific death for the sins of all of God's people throughout all of time. This salvation comes with a very high cost. Because of our sin and because of God's holiness, Jesus offers Himself in our place, bearing the punishment that we deserve so that we don't bear that punishment, but we get what He deserves to be called sons and daughters of God, to be welcomed as children. And it is very costly. And yet it is because God loves us. The final thing is the why of this salvation. Because God has promised that this will happen because the Father loves us. Because the Father loves us. You see, so often when we hear the gospel, and particularly when we hear about the crucifixion, we kind of get this picture of like an angry father and Jesus stepping in in our place. Well, certainly God has anger for sin, has wrath for sin, and Jesus does step into our place. But that comes because of the Father's plan. The unity of the Trinity in a mysterious way is not broken through the crucifixion. The Trinity cannot be broken. God is three persons, one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They are united together. that, That mysterious union is not broken in the crucifixion, meaning the very love that Jesus has to step in our place is also the love of the Father for us. And actually, before the foundations of the world, the Father planned to send Jesus to die for you specifically, if you are trusting in Jesus. Before God created anything, that's what the Scriptures say, what the book of Ephesians says, before the foundations of the world, before God had created anything, He saw you and said, I love you. I love you so much that I know exactly what you're going to do with your life, and I still love you. I love you so much that I, at great cost to myself, in the person of my son Jesus, will come to earth and will die in your place. God, in your place. So that you can become children of God. The why of Christmas, the why of this salvation is because God is crazy about you. Because God loves you dearly. Many of us, have had lots of experiences in the world where we have felt very unloved. Where we've been hurt by those that are supposed to love us. Even the best of us, as parents or as children, even in our best, don't love each other all that great. Right? And yet there is one who loves you 
so completely that He gave Himself for you. And He longs to bring you close and to comfort you. Longs to bring you close in this season to love you and to show you His love. So if you are here this morning and not trusting in Jesus, please consider the love of God for you. From eternity past all the way through eternity in the future, He loves you. And now, we just want to eagerly wait for His return. This is why we do this, right? This is why we gather together every week. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Sometimes I think about this. I was thinking about this on the way home. I was tired and just coming off of vacation. I was like, why are we gathering together? There's probably not going to be a ton of people here. Lots of people are traveling. You know why we do this? Because we forget how amazing this is. We forget how amazing this is. We do this every single week because we always forget that there is a God who loves us so completely that He's willing to die in our place. And we need to be reminded every week because right now, if you're trusting in Jesus, you're probably sitting and waiting and feeling that eager longing for His return so that you can experience that fully. It's what this service is meant to produce in us. Every week when we gather together, it's not meant to satisfy you completely. It's actually meant to make you more thirsty for the Lord. It's meant to give you a little flavor so that you are eagerly longing for His return even more. It's meant to give us that. It's meant for us to eagerly wait like Simeon did. Now, Simeon waited trusting in the Holy Spirit, so it's not a waiting without action. He trusted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit moved him to go to the temple that day to hold that baby and to see that salvation. So we need to eagerly wait trusting the Holy Spirit to take us to the places that we need to go. I know that's, that talking about trusting the Holy Spirit in that way makes some of us Reformed folks a little uncomfortable. We're not quite sure about that. We'd like to have it a little more rigid. Like, what, what's he going to do? Could you just tell me what he's going to do? Well, Simeon knew what he was going to do. He was promised. And yet, he still had to trust the Holy Spirit in the moment. Moment by moment, we've got to trust the Holy Spirit to awaken in us what we need to do. Moment by moment. We need to wait with expectation, anticipation, worshiping Jesus and enjoying Him as we wait. And in that, we can join in this sharing of the light with the world around us. Reminding ourselves of this hope that we are waiting for and then declaring it to the world around us. That there is a hope out there. And His name is Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we come to You now. And Lord, we are eagerly waiting for Your salvation. We are eagerly longing for You to come near to us, to show Yourself to us. Lord, we want to know You deeply. We want to know Your love. So Lord, I pray now that You would, by Your Spirit, be at work in each of us to show us what we need to know today to help us eagerly wait for You. Lord, would You just reveal to each one of us, by Your Spirit, 
Something from your word. Remind us of something from your word. A word, a phrase, something that reminds us that we are children of God and that you love us. And Lord, if there are any among us or listening to this online or listening to a recording later, Lord, that you are moving in, would you by your Holy Spirit move powerfully to cause a longing for you. And Jesus, would you show up in a mighty way. Lord Jesus, help us to wait eagerly for you and your return. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.